guilty soul condemned by shame hear mercy calling out your name his blood can cleanse your every stain bring your failures to the cross hello and welcome to the community bible church podcast where we are doing a chapter by chapter weekly discussion of the book gentle and lowly the Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Orland. My name is Matt Owen. I am, once again, the lead pastor at Community Bible Church of Orange Park. And I'm joined today, as always, by Joseph Brader, pastor of worship and discipleship here at CBC. Joseph, how are Matt, you today? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well. Awesome. So, you know, we're, we're recording ahead. Yeah. You're going to do what eight more uh podcasts? Eight, i think so seven or eight more, seven or eight eight more yeah more mm-hmm. podcasts after this so so if you're listening to this well because you couldn't be listening to it any time other than this week <laughs> i am i'm long gone <laughs> i have left yeah. the state i did maybe not, the country the, maybe the country who knows we wanted to make sure we got a few of these done ahead of time so there would be less for a, for pastor joseph to do hopefully I'm I'm speaking to your future self. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully you haven't burned this place down. Oh, I yeah. Hopefully two weeks from now, <laughs> it's possible. It's what, a little early. What but. are the changes that you're going to implement immediately in your reign of terror? <laughs> uh, oh man. Like, is it going to be a new sheriff in town sort of feel? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, if if any of you know me at all, you know that's pretty much uh, that's right within character, right? I hope you walk in wearing like spurs and. Oh boots. yeah. Yeah. To just reinforce that new sheriff thing. Also seems right in character, doesn't it? Yeah, that that I'd like to Cowboy see. Cowboy hat and spurs. I'd like to see you try to get on a horse. <laughs> I've actually ridden a horse. Really? Several times. I like it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, rode him attempt, a bunch. Missed attempt to make fun Miss, of you. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, but maybe ride a horse. Like, like, uh, yeah, I'm an equestrian. Yeah, yeah not, not that. But maybe ride a horse like with a gun, like a cowboy, like full. That'd be cool. Well... Nobody does that now. That hasn't been done in like a long time. Well, so yeah. There aren't people riding around shooting stuff on horses. <laughs> there will be in uh, two weeks. I don't know. Just to clarify. Yeah. You actually rode it like for real or mm-hmm. you were at a carnival where the horse was connected to a like a stick that was walking, going around in a circle. Like you rode a real horse? <laughs> yes. I have not a pony. Real horses, not ponies. It was yeah. not a birthday party with a pony that no. had a, a unicorn horn glued to it. Nope. Nothing okay. like that. I rode them uh, at camp a bunch growing up. I rode oh, them wow. at my grandparents on my dad's side had a farm. I still have a farm. But when I was growing up, they had a bunch of horses and a bunch of so I rode there, and then a couple. So you times can really in, ride in college. A horse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, like I know like how to fast. ride. Fast. I've ridden them kind of fast. Yeah. Like galloping. I have. Okay. Not a lot, but I mean, probably not like a full gallop, I suppose. But yeah. I've ridden. I've ridden horses. Bareback. I have not ridden bareback. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I could steer them, make them, tell them to go faster, go slower, stop, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I could. I'm, okay. I wasn't an expert, I, but I'm impressed. <laughs> I am duly impressed because I've ridden a horse once, and it was at a fair, and it was <laughs> like one mile an hour. Yeah. And and kind of scary because I didn't realize. Oh, this has been a long time ago, so maybe I was just a little kid, and it was scared me at the time. Now that I think about it, but like the way they move is not yeah. as smooth as I thought. Oh yeah, that's true. Like it's a lot. So then I'm imagining, like, at a full run, how much of a skill that must be. It's pretty bouncy. Okay, well, you passed the vibe check for today. Uh, (laughs) So uh, thank you for for holding down the fort. Now I'm being serious. I really do appreciate you holding down the fort. 
I know that requires for, sure for me to be able to go and do something like this requires a lot from you and I'm thankful for you. Well, it's it's well worth it because this is a well-earned and I think much needed sabbatical from a lot of years of ministry with no breaks. And those no breaks being like 24/7, that's what that's what pastoring yeah. looks like a lot of times. Yeah. We are very so kind. I'm glad to hold things down with a lot of help. There's a lot of people who are doing a lot of yeah. help. If you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're helping him, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're on chapter 16, The Lord, The Lord, and what a... I had never thought about this before when I I read this. So, well-known text. Yeah. God passes by and and says, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. I had never really thought about what Ortland brings out here, that, number one, this is not a throwaway text is the wrong because none of them are throwaway texts but sure. this is not just just a, like a blip it's not a one-off yeah mm-hmm. it's it is a it is a core text in the old testament yeah it's a core moment yeah it's referred to on numerous occasions throughout the bible so it's it's a key place yeah and you think of all the things that god could have said if, I, if he's only got one thing to say about himself what would he say mm-hmm and he says, merciful and gracious and slow to anger. And that's after that's after ha- just having said, if you look at my face, yeah, you'll die. You die. Yep. <laughs> so you would expect, mm-hmm. I would expect, if you oh, yeah. can't, if, you can't yeah. if, if no man can see my face and live, then there's the way I'm going to reveal myself and, and what the way I speak is going to be vastly different. Right. Yep. So that is a, a really great insight. And mm-hmm. so connected to it, when you think of God's glory, what do, you, what, what do you think of? What's the image that comes to mind when you think about God's glory? So I, I, this passage kind of opened up to me a few, a few years ago, reading a book by D.A. Carson called The God Who's There. Oh, yeah. It's like a small... Yeah. He stole that from Francis Schaeffer, who several years earlier wrote a book called The God Who's did There. Did he really? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Come on, Carson. <laughs> Here I thought that was—I mean, it is a great book, but it was—it is taken away. Okay. It's just a stolen title, not original. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Steal like an artist. Steal, <laughs> Steal like a theologian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is uh, a sadly apt <laughs> description Plagiarism. of our current. Exactly. Oh man. <laughs> okay, sorry. Quite Side a commentary. Track. So he kind of opened some of these things up and highlighted this passage in Exodus as kind in kind of the same way that Ortland does. So uh, ever since then, this idea has at least like factored in heavily to how I think about the glory of mm-hmm. God. Like I see the glory of God through the lens of the gospel mm-hmm. and through the lens of grace and mercy and steadfast love. So there's, that's part of it, but I still think about like the big and terrifying and awesome and powerful mm-hmm. picture that we get other places in scripture. And I'm like Isaiah six, mm-hmm. right? He's seated on a throne. Angels are flying around him and you know, mm-hmm. uh, revelation, there's like lightning bolts mm-hmm. and so I kind of, I don't know if I go back and forth or have this mm-hmm. weird concoction of both of them when I mm-hmm. think about the glory of God. Sorry, that's a really long rambling answer. No, that's good. I think if pinning it down to one story from the Bible that I think naturally think of when I think of God's glory is the dedication of Solomon's temple. Oh, yeah, okay. So, I mean, like, yeah. they dedicate it and boom, you know, mm-hmm. fire, smoke, it's intense. So... Those are those are things connected to God's greatness. Yep. And one of the helpful things that Ortland does here is is connect God's glory to his goodness. Yeah. Because 
we often, most of the time, or maybe almost exclusively, easily connect God's glory with his greatness, but yeah. not his goodness. Right. We do yeah. that with people, mm-hmm. right? Like we struggle to see um, like people serving in the shadows or the mm. humble people as having much glory mm. or acclaim. I don't know. That's interesting. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. So that's a really important observation that this chapter makes. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that he says is that we never see the Bi- in the Bible it's saying that God is provoked to mercy or provoked to love. So what's yeah. the significance of that? I think it tells us that it just flows out of him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be provoked to it because it's so natural. Mm-hmm. In the same way that he's provoked to jealousy and wrath, like we mm-hmm. see that kind of verbiage in the Bible. And those are those are important functions or actions of God. And we talked about that a little bit last week in the in the last podcast as well. But he's not provoked to the things that just flow from his heart. Right? Yeah. He's not provoked to be who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, how would God be provoked to, you know, love? Like, right? You know, do what? What? What all do we have to do to finally elicit? <laughs> yeah. You know, a loving response yeah. from Him to the the provocation to finally get Him to love or to show mercy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a that's that's a fascinating observation as 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 well, precisely because it would seem that it would be much easier to be. It would seem to be the opposite, you know, going back to his natural work and his strange work, mm-hmm. because we we aren't inherently lovable, because we are sinful. Yeah, yeah. You would think that God would have to be provoked to love us, and yet, right. sure. <laughs> in our sinful state, in our unlovable state, what actually has to be provoked from him is is wrath. Yeah. <laughs> or, or judgment, which is uh, again a great insight of the chapter. Mm-hmm. And okay, so and this this feeds into this the last thing that that I wanted to talk about here. One of the things that he says at the end is he says the Christian life from one angle is the long journey of letting our natural assumptions about who God is over many decades fall away, being slowly replaced with God's own insistence on who he is. Yeah. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Is that true for you? Absolutely. So you? Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. For sure. Why do we have this incorrect perspective? Because mm-hmm. I think it's like, easy. That's to, a loaded question. It's easy to blame. Here's it. Maybe I'll prime the pump a little. Okay. Not that you need the pump primed, but I think the easy thing is to say, "Well, the churches that we've been in." Right. And there's truth to that. And there can be truth to that. That you know, we we all have perspectives based on yeah our, on our upbringing. Right. Where there's some conditioning. But I suspect mm-hmm. that if you were in the 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 best church. Yep. in the world, yep. which is called... Yeah, I was just going to say the same Park. thing. It is, yeah. Um, but if you were in the best church in the world from we're birth kidding. into adulthood, you'd still have problems here. Yeah. Why? I think it's it's just like part of being fallen and living in a fallen world. Our perspectives are wrong in our sinfulness or in our, in our fallenness. We project a lot of things onto God. We make a lot of assumptions about God. Mm-hmm. We talked about that way at the beginning, probably chapter like two or three Mm -hmm. where we either we we, i think we tend to either see god as just like us or totally the opposite of us depending Mm -hmm. on you know how we Mm -hmm. maybe perceive some things internally but we kind of fashion god in our own image and from our own experiences Mm -hmm. and things like that our own fears desires whatever so i think that's one thing i think the enemy wants to do this Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. we're engaged in full-on spiritual warfare and our enemy is is powerful mm-hmm. 
and crafty and bad theology, probably especially slightly bad theology, <laughs> misemphasized uh-huh, theology, uh-huh. is way more dangerous than most of his other tactics because mm-hmm. it looks good and we think we're doing something good. So I think, I think the enemy is all about trying to paint the wrong picture of God for us mm-hmm. and trying to get us to either follow a God who doesn't really exist, quite honestly, mm-hmm. or to be so scared of God that we run from him exactly what Ortland's kind of pushing against in this book, right? Mm-hmm. To have conception or, or vision of God that would, would say I can't or don't ever want to be around him because mm-hmm. I'm just running around like with my tail between my legs yeah. waiting for the next shoe to fall. Yeah, that's right. And so that gets all of those things that you said, which are absolutely true, those things get reinforced when we come to the Bible because we see what we expect to see. Yes, yes. So I think one of the great things, great prayers that we need to pray whenever we're reading the Bible is that God would help us to see it for what it is. Mm. You know, this has been illustrated for me in preaching through Genesis. And there's all sorts of things that I thought were in there. Yeah. You know, that I, and I just kept reading them, seeing them. Uh. But when you're really looking at it, you're like, huh. It actually doesn't happen that way. And I was yeah. even actually I was even talking to someone after church on a Sunday that said they heard what I was saying and were, you know, thought that can't be uh-huh. and read it and said, you know, I'm sure it's in here. And then they read it again and they're like it's it's not in here. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't say that. And it doesn't matter what it, what that issue was. It's just right. right. It's just we often see what we expect to see and yeah. because we are rebellious <laughs> because Satan has his tactics yeah you know we take that to the bible and we assume what we read it with a lens Mm -hmm. rather than seeing it which is why it takes me you know it takes me to reach 42 years of age before you know ortland points out some of these things and i'm like well duh (laughs) right right no (laughs) yeah that's what it says (laughs) uh i think there's a lot of people having an experience though yeah it's like you know over the last probably 15 years maybe going on 20 now we kind of recovered this gospel centrality mm-hmm. and started unpacking the gospel. And it feels like there's this movement right now that like is getting one layer mm-hmm. deeper into mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. which is awesome mm-hmm. and collective. Yeah, Not even just in our church, although it seems like it's happening in our church and that's amazing, like praise God for that. Yeah. But a lot of Christians who have been chasing the gospel and diving into the gospel are sort of collectively diving a little deeper. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are having the same. I'm having the same experience. Yeah. At 33. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, let's let me leave with this. We've talked about the fact that we want this to spark discussions. That the whole reason we're doing this is to spark discussions. Mm-hmm. So I just want to remind you who are listening to this after after church on Sunday when you're looking for something to talk about. This would be a great thing. <laughs> If you've not had any sort of discussion, have somebody over to your house or go out to lunch or for, to coffee for some, with somebody. Just see what they've learned from it. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Yeah. Just have a discussion about it. What more valuable thing could we be talking about than yeah. this? Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't have to hear me anymore on <laughs> the podcast. Any well, for guests, a couple months. For a couple months. And any back. guests that Joseph has will likely be much nicer to him than I have been. <laughs> Which, so that's a good break for him. But I'm going to um, I'm gonna finish with Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
find your comfort. 